0: I always think it's best to stick out like a sore thumb But it takes a while for people to catch up with it. I wish they'd blink and hurry up
1: Hello and welcome to the Songs or Spells podcast I am your host, Carolyn King In the crazy world that we live in, music offers a kind of self-empowerment Especially through social media And people are connecting in with the comfort, confidence and power that this stands for In this way, songs really are spells. Each week, I discuss what music and magic means to music industry guests. How has it helped them to navigate a tough industry and life in general? This episode is a big one. I am joined by the OG Sex Pistol punk pioneer, Glenn Matlock. For me, the Sex Pistols and all UK 70s punk equals power. Challenging the shitty political situation then and now and doing what you want to do. Glenn joined the Sex Pistols aged 16 and he wrote most of my beloved Nevermind the Bollocks album. He's currently touring playing Sex Pistols classics as you've never heard them before and he's toured the world with everyone from Iggy Pop to Ronnie Wood. I can't wait for you to hear this and don't forget to rate and review which helps other like-minded people find the pod. Or if you want to learn more about all the techniques discussed, join our Patreon. Link is in the show notes and on our Instagram at Songs Are Spells Podcast. So, let's welcome in Glenn. Thank you so much for being
0: here. That's all right, but I'm apologising because I feel I'm having a bad hair day.
1: (laughs) Not at all, no such thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, So for me, you really represent and the work that you do really represents um, a kind of self-empowerment in terms of taking back the power yourself. And that's kind of what. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's what punk means to me. Absolutely. um, Empowering yourself. And for me, that is punk to a T. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I suppose I've never quite thought of it that way, but yeah, that makes, makes some kind of sense. I mean, to me, punk is not really a sound or a look, although it is to a lot of people, but it's, a, it's an attitude. It, you know, and luckily, in, before lockdown, I was getting to play all around the world. You know, South America, Korea, Palestine, uh, Australia, Japan. And and punk exists, and it's kind of for people who, maybe a little bit more, they're a bit harder of thinking, you know, and like want to read between the lines. That's That's the way I look at it. So punk is a... It's a broad church and it's a catch-all for slightly alternative music maybe for maybe a paper a bit more savvy. That, that would be a good term instead of punk is like savvy, you know.
1: So by that do you mean like they're kind of more critical thinkers? Yeah,
0: yeah, they're a bit more clued, clued up. They can read between the lines. And not frighten the same boots or goose.
1: Amazing. I love that. Um yeah, and certainly, I mean, certainly in you know, in the winter of discontent in the 70s, that the, the Callaghan government and and things like that. That must have really resonated, that feeling of like, no future, and but I've got this music and this sound and this outlet. Yeah, yeah that was that. Um,
0: the sentiment behind no future it was not that we were delighted in the fact that there was no future. It's just there's no future unless you try and do something about it for yourself. You know, that's the difference. That was my take. I mean, that one's John's lyric, but I, I think he probably thinks we were all in our own way, kind of go getting guys, you know, we, we, we wanted to climb out of our upbringings and and now sort of put upon this tin baths and paraffin eaters and knowing your place, you know, and still am, really. Although I have achieved not having a tin bath.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that was my question, really. Do you still feel that that kind of attitude is vital now in 2021?
0: I think even more so now with what's going on you guys up there are possibly a bit more fortunate that you are a little bit more critical thinking with your your politics. I'm really quite gobsmacked what's happened in England. You know, I've been on all the marches and I will go on more and I begin to see a bit of a chink in the what's going on. Um, And and the album I've got coming out, although it's not particularly po-faced and I try and... You know, I always liked in Shakespeare, but my favourite character in Shakespeare was Falstaff. You know, who was a jester, but he could tell the truth to the king. So I try and adopt that approach in my writing. But, I, you know, there's lots of stuff on the new album that was written over the past year and a half, two years, what with Trump and then then Johnson coming in and stuff. Yeah, so I've got songs on it like Consequences Coming and one... Well, one of my favourites called "Head on a Stick," so I guess you can understand where that's coming from.
1: I can imagine whose head you want on a stick.
0: <laughs> all, all metaphorically, of course. So I'm, I'm still trying to sort of plough my lonely furrow of writing in the way I go about things. I think the problem I've always had in my career—I think I've really quite fitted into what's considered to be—is going on at the moment. I've always seen that as a strength. I mean, if the Sex Pistols had done what was going wrong. Well, On around at the time, we would have either been a disco band or a a light jazz funk band, you know, like Landscape or Kokomo or something like that. I mean, that was what was going down in London. I always think it's best to stick out like a sore thumb, but it takes a while for people to catch up with it. I wish they blinked an hurry up.
1: I hope they do. (laughs) I think they are now. I think now more than ever, yeah. Do you watch the news for a start?
0: I'm struggling to at the moment. What I did do, though, I'm, I'm friends with... a a Labour MP, MP called Kevin Brennan, who's, who's one of the guys who's been standing up in Parliament, you know, trying to take them to task about touring post-Brexit for musicians, and he had Lord Frost in front of a select committee. And through him, a few years back, before just before lockdown, I actually went to um, Parliament a few times for Prime Minister's Question Times and votes. It was quite funny, actually, and interesting. But he's a musician, and... Um, in lockdown, I played bass on his sort of folk album he's made, and we actually played at the Under Club. It was like his album launch, and there was a few MPs there. Except inadvertently, I didn't realise I shook hands with somebody in the gloom when I stepped off stage, and it was bloody Mark Francois, and I was like, "Oh!" No. And when, <laughs> I went, I, I sort of pushed him away, went, like, "Oh, not you!" and I went straight and washed my hands.
1: <laughs> Good idea. <laughs>
0: Snivelling little, little, little toe, you know. you meet you meet some of these people, and you just think, "How oh, did you get in the position you did?"
1: You're an idiot. That's the consensus all over the UK at the moment, really. I teach at BIM London, sort of one day a week, and I love to show them the the Bill Grundy appearance. To them, they, they say, oh, that was like the equivalent of, you know, going viral now, you know, this kind of... Right,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose it was. It. So we one of the first people were going viral. You
1: were, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Do you think like the British public were scared of you at that point?
0: I don't know, I think people were a bit scared of what they don't know and don't understand. I think we were scared of us with the establishment. For them to be scared of a bunch of late teenage lads who were just sort of trying to rock and roll a bit and just stir things up shows you that they got a lot to hide. You know, and all that episode was an eye-opening for me in the way that the press works. And so you're in that position, you don't really understand.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, but did you feel that you sort of became scapegoats?
0: No, I felt I we became a sop to what was going on. Really, you know, reading between the lines, I think we were the useful idiots to divert attention from, I can't even remember it, probably Callahan was in there, you know, and the rubbish pile on the streets and the power caps and the three-day week. And, but on the other hand, it helped to sell a few records. So I you know...
1: It's so interesting, isn't it? Because um, from from then, like, now, we've, I mean, a lot of, like, hip-hop and metal music is is censored in similar ways and kind of scapegoated. Um, are, are you into, like, metal or hip-hop?
0: Not really, no. I'm not into it. Hip-hop, I think, is probably the last, or whatever it's called these days, is probably the last real grassroots... Musical genre, it all depends what you call metal. I mean, I don't think you get anything much heavier than the Kingsman doing "Louis, Louis" in 1963 or whenever it was, or the early Kings. You know, that's pretty heavy. You know, there's nothing really new under the sun. I don't know metal music. I, I struggle with all the kind of graphics of goblins and angels and demons and all that. I think that's a bit, it's a bit silly.
1: <laughs> it's not your bag.
0: I'll tell you what. A funny story. I went. I don't know, about five, six, seven years ago, I did a show, a solo show in Miami. And then the next thing I had to fly to Mexico City to do a solo show. And I'm all jet lagged and I did this thing. And I got there and then I was going to go out to dinner. I was playing that night, boats don't out to dinner. And it was like a German guy booking me in Mexico City and took me to a French restaurant that was run by an Italian or something like that, in Mexico. It was all a bit weird. And there was some bus strike going on, so the traffic was in gridlock. So we got the the metro. I didn't realise there was a metro, you know, underground in Mexico City. So next thing, you know, I come from London, Miami. I had some kind of run-in with John McEnroe, believe it or not, which was probably another time. And then I'm in Mexico City on the underground. And all the kids there, you know, they, I mean, they probably thought I was a bit weird, but they looked like Aztecs. You know, and there's a kid, and it was really rammed on the underground, and there's a kid looking at me like I'm an alien. He looks like Montezuma's nephew. He's got a leather jacket on with an Iron Maiden t-shirt. <laughs>
1: you can't escape with the Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of the guests we've had on have talked about um, this idea of the power of a song. It's almost like a spell. Are there any key songs for you that you think have, like, so much power
0: yeah, I, I mean, in fact, last night, um, I follow that, do you know those sort of semi-activist guys led by donkeys who commandeer um, billboards yeah, and things?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. They, they actually put up a thing up last night, and I actually through my mate in the Labour Party. I'm suggest heavily suggesting to him that they get them to do the, the press campaign for the Labour Party, but we'll see. Um, but they they drove a truck outside Number 10 Downing Street last night, with a video on it. They do things like projecting vi- videos of all the bullshit Johnson's have said on, on the houses of parliament, which is kind of quite brave. But last night they drove one of those trucks with a big massive video screen on it and parked it outside Downing Street with Boris Johnson looking very sheepish. Wow. And they played Nowhere nowhere to Run, Nowhere to Hide. I think, you know, I think the thing with songs, you know, they can mean what they mean. If you kind of got a good slogan, people can kind of put their own personal meaning on it. Um they don't take away the power of the song.
1: Yeah, sure. And what about songs that you've personally written? Are there any that you feel are extremely powerful, especially right now?
0: Well I think these new ones coming out, they've said on the stick or older pistols things, but I think there's an element of a kind of dissent in everything that I've written, you know, whether people pick up on it or not, you know, but I certainly never really written Loads of lovey dovey songs. I wish I could actually, you know, I wish, I wish I'd written my Sharia more by um, Davy Wonder. Oh no yeah, <laughs>
1: that's
0: a fantastic song.
1: Yeah, it's know. incredible.
0: The by yeah. Pearl, you Power know, by Jack is that right? Yeah. But it's also for sort of courses, and you do, you do what you can, you know, really.
1: Yeah, amazing. And um, one of the, yeah, one of the things I really love about punk as well is that it kind of offered like women a space to to get into more rock based. Stuff. um a huge fan of like polystyrene and Susie. All
0: right.
1: Yeah. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I think it's great. You know, I'm always championing. And my biggest favorite, not quite a pinup girl, but I love palm Oliver, who was the original drummer in the Sleds. Then I, I went to see them. She wasn't with them, but they played in Selfridges about eight or nine years ago when they started putting gigs. Oh over. wow! I saw. Some, I've seen some funny people in Selfridges. Selfridges. <laughs> New, New York dolls. Stevie Bunzer I saw put doing a set there once no yeah, the solo set it was fantastic. And I could hear two women singing right behind me, you know, I just call <laughs> <two star laughs> you I turned around, you know it was Joan Collins and Silla and, and Black having a girl's night out in no it was fantastic. Way. And I saw the Slip fair as well. I wish they still did it, you know.
1: That is iconic. <laughs>
0: it was great. And if you don't believe me, look it up. Um,
1: that's amazing. Yeah, did you feel that women were kind of coming forward more in terms of rock? Because I guess at the time you had all the kind of prog rock and there was no women in that, right? Well, no, there was no
0: women in that because rock is really quite a macho kind of thing. Yeah. Right? I and mean, there's nothing wrong with that because it's an outlet for the blokes, but Dusty Springfield and Martha Reeves and the Vandellas and the Supremes and the Shirelles and the Shangri-Las, and that, they were women in rock, or women in, in popular music. Oh, you know, and then... You look at just women within bands, not all girl bands, but you know, Carol Kay is a fantastic bass player, played on so many hit records. I always liked um, Tina Weymouth as a bass player. Yeah, I liked,
1: yeah.
0: There was a girl called Sarah Lee who played with a Gang of Four and was in something before that. You know, it seems to be a bit of um, the thing of women bass players. On the other hand, there's a downside to that because I did a I'm mates with Primal Screen and I did a bit of work with him and I was hoping they was gonna ask me when Manny went to do something else to do some more. But they got a girl bass player. He's very good.
1: Yes. It could have been me. Oh <laughs> Yeah, she's cool. Um she came into BIM for a guest lecture actually. Yeah, she's really cool. So I
0: have got champion all that. I I just think it's people mucking in, really. Sure.
1: Yeah. In terms of like, I mean, who you've talked that you're like you into Motown and stuff like that, as with Stevie Wonder, like who really inspires you musically?
0: Well, all the Motown stuff, Stacks. Um, I always say this, but, you know, my age group, we were brought up on Pirate Radio in England and then Ready, Steady, Go. And, it, you know, band-wise, you'd have the Animals and the Kinks and the Early Stones and the Early Who and the Small Faces, the Yardbirds. That's what got me going. You know, I don't want to end up sounding like the pretty things. But it's it's all a bit of a mixture, you know. But then I've always liked the big ballad. I like people like Anthony Newley and Dare I even say um, Matt Monroe, people like that. But it all feeds into what you're doing. It's like the music to Anarchy in the UK Really, you could trace it back to the overture For a TV show called Sunday Night at the London Palladium. You know, that it don't sound like it But it's that kind of thing You know It's big overture
1: Wow So was that that was the inspiration, maybe unconsciously?
0: No, kind of quite deliberately, really More
1: deliberately? Yeah.
0: Well, you know, when you're writing a song, you don't want to copy something, but sometimes you want to do that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: You know, it's the start, starting point.
1: Yeah, so who do, you, who do you like from sort of now? Are there any bands that you think, or artists that you think are really interesting now?
0: Oh, it's a trick question for me. I think over the past few years, maybe we go about five or six years, is... Um, Kept hearing songs on the radio or somewhere quite like, so I found out it was normally Pharrell Williams. Yeah. And I liked them just because it was interesting to me, you know, the the way the music works and the construction. In fact, if you go on YouTube, if you haven't seen it, I did a version with Slim Jim Phantom and Earl Slick and Jim Lowe, the bass player, who we saw the um, uh, maiden bloke in there, um, of Happy. Wow. But it came out like the pretty things, didn't it? Just check it out. It's good.
1: That sounds awesome. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, so Pharrell Williams. Yeah, he's definitely got his own sound, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, and, and he, he uses sort of funny time signatures on some of them. Yeah. There was some track he had in a movie, which I still can't quite work out whether it's 5-4 or 7-8. Wow. But it kind of works. You know, and then before that, many other records I went and bought, it's a long while ago now, but I heard a record on the radio and I didn't know what it was called or it was by. And I went around some record stores singing it. <laughs> These people must have thought I was an idiot, but I found out it was Outcast. And, oh, you know, amazing. hey, yeah, that was great. You yeah, know, everybody likes that. But and then I bought the album. The bloke told me that it was two guys, Outcast, but they'd fallen out and they'd made a double album because they were talking and they'd. Yeah. Made a, an album Each You know as a double album Then that's quite yeah. And it, most of it sounds like Somebody Learning to use a drum machine To me But then it's got AER yeah. on it Right at the end They should put it on the beginning
1: They're really interesting Yeah Because they're not from The sort of heartland Of hip hop and stuff They're kind of different
0: Well that's the thing You know It's that kind of thing With a twist And that's what You wouldn't necessarily Consider really
1: What do you think of Like kind of Punk inspired bands You know like Idols like
0: um, that. I've seen them actually My son's band Supported them for a few years Oh great um, Yeah they were kind of good you would have to lead me To Walter to, to see Loads of these bands I did meet A really good band In Canada A few years back And I, they played great And they were a laugh But they had the best Name in the, of a band In the world Which was Ringo Death Star
1: That name
0: It's great <laughs> Ringo Death Star um,
1: Yeah the idea of Of music As a kind of Form of empowerment do you have any sort of like you know spiritual practice or anything like that that keeps you sane in this mad world
0: i religiously go to the corner every day in a cappuccino one and a half shots and then watch the world go by and sit there doing my emails on the bench and saying hello to everybody and that keep, that's kept me sane all the way through lockdown um so see no reason to stop it and when i go traveling i kind of normally manage to find some similar kind of position where i can keep up so i don't know if it was an old habit dying hard or a religious thing but i'm sort of joking but you got to keep an open mind about lots of things in life that's what i try and do
1: yeah definitely i mean that kind of sounds like it's like a little like what we might call a mindful moment you know you go you sit down have your coffee you get a bit of peace and quiet and and you just watch things you just kind of be in the moment
0: yeah, and I write lots of songs that way, not necessarily from sitting on that particular bench, but, you know, then you go for a walk around the block and you get a little idea in your head because you've seen something, you've chatting to somebody and an idea sort of starts to formulate, um, not all the time, but sometimes. And when those ideas don't go away, that's the time to then pick up a guitar or ever fiddle on the keyboards and that's where ideas come from. So it's just through sort of being out and about.
1: Yeah, that's great. What do you think of artists that you know, have a strong kind of, like they kind of switched into this kind of spiritual life, like George Harrison or um, like Cat Stevens.
0: Well, I think good for them, really. You can't pull them up on it. Cat Stevens is fantastic. I actually saw him a few years back in my local garden centre. I was having a wander through there. And there was Cat Stevens. I want to go introduce myself and say hi, because he's fantastic, you know. And, um, but his mobile phone rang, and next thing. He was on the phone for about 10 minutes and I got fed up then. But, you know, he's, he's a guy who puts his money where his mouth is and kind of up the road from me, he um, he took over a school.
1: Yeah, interesting. Because um, I kind of, I, I don't identify with any religion as such, but um, I'm really interested in kind of spiritual tools, especially in given the world we live in, just to kind of stay a bit grounded. And like I do things like like gratitude, journaling like even if you just wake up and think of three things that you're glad for like would you ever do anything like that
0: yeah a little bit I do if I'm on an airplane it's a bit bumpy I do say thank you to whoever when we come in similar thing absolutely
1: think, yeah
0: if my, foot, if my football team do well against the other so similar thing who yeah. is your team Queen's Park Rangers yes
1: <laughs> how was how was your lockdown it was um,
0: a bit tedious sometimes, but it came and went. Yeah. Um, got on with a few things. I did lots of things like this and did some recording with people from all around the world, you know, South America and people in Los Angeles and somewhere else and somewhere else. And quite a lot of musicians because everybody's got, like, quite a reasonable home studio these days. You know, in fact, I did something in my Mar- cellar. Um, some charity record for you know, to help the nurses we did a cover of Angels I thought it was going to do Angel by Jimi Hendrix but it was Angels by the, uh, the other bloke what's his name Robbie
1: Robbie Williams yeah. well, that's so I, a very different you know, talk I put
0: the drums on in Los Angeles I put the bass on here Marcella did uh, vocals there or slick played on upstate New York and there was Tony Adley on it Elizabeth Westwood and Jenny Bell star um, did the BVs and Jules Holland was on it, you know, and oh, wow. stuff like, Nobody ever met up. And there's quite a lot of that kind of goes on these days, and it, it works, but then you don't have the laugh in the studio with people and have that extra go at something that sometimes gives it that extra bit of magic that nobody had thought of, you know, just because you're all hanging out. But it's, it's doable. So I did quite a lot of that, it was kind of cool. And then I did a and in lockdown, L, oh, we just finished touring. In fact, the two last gigs I did prior to lockdown, the very last one was at the 100 Club, where I'm playing again on Friday. But we did, we played in um, just outside Glasgow, was the Bungalow in Paisley, and then that, then it was lockdown, and we got we got stuck here, and I stayed here for about three or four months. And we ended up doing a few sort of FaceTime live things, and we thought we'd do one, which we did, and it was quite popular. So we do one the next week, We thought, oh, blimey you can't do the same songs again. So you had to learn another hour's worth of songs and then people wanted another one. So then we had to learn another hour's worth of songs and then we did a fourth one. So we sort of learnt about four hours worth of material, which you don't normally have. It's quite a stretch to do that. We got fed up with it after that. But no, yeah, it was fun to do it. So.
1: Yeah, so kind of lastly, I just wanted to give you some some names of artists and just get your thoughts on them. Like, um, yeah, yeah. The first one is Joe Strummer. Yeah, Joe was cool. I like Joe. He's a friend of mine.
0: I like Joe. I go back a long way with Joe. I mean, it's very sad he's not around. I I was there the night when he broke up the 101ers and he told the band to go and film The the Clash. Good. Yeah, very erudite guy. Maybe a little bit too hot on his sleeve vertically, but he was cool.
1: Wow. Iggy Pop.
0: Iggy. Again, worked with Iggy. Great, I'd like to do more of him, actually I think he's one of America's greatest living poets To be honest Totally um, Debbie Harry? Yeah, she's lovely She sings like a bird Yeah, they've written some great You know, makes me clam the drummer And, you know, he, he um, freely admits They're sort of like a pop, bubblegum kind of band but with, 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 with knobs on and, and she's the cherry on the cake And it's great, you know she, She's a lovely, lovely person and a lovely, lovely artist. And not in a naff way, but, you know, she makes you feel warm.
1: That's great. Yeah, yeah. I've yet to meet her.
0: Well, do you know what? The very first time I went to New York, when I was 22 and a half, 23, I was playing with Iggy Pop and we played, I've been in America a couple of days, we did a warm-up show in Philadelphia and then we did a headline show at the... Palladium in New York, and it was on Halloween. And this was in 1979. And back then in England, nobody really celebrated Halloween. But in America, they did big time. And the whole audience was in Halloween costumes. We were supported by the cramps And backstage was Debbie Harry, who was mates with Iggy, dressed as a witch. And she gave me a kiss on the cheek. I didn't wash for two days. My <laughs> first time in New York.
1: Debbie Harry dressed as a witch is like a dream come true. <laughs> Not off. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan. What about Holly Johnson?
0: But, uh, yeah, Holly Johnson is great. I think he's got the best hook in the business. And I, I remember <laughs> him back when he was a bass player in a band called Big in Japan with Jane Casey. And the guy yeah. from the Lightning Seeds, what's his name? Ian Broody.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: And I can't remember who the drummer was. It was either Budgie back then, um, the guy from KLF... But in fact, I got up and, and did a gig with him once at the Red Cow in Hammersmith. I played bass on once on Big in Japan. But yeah, they're, they're great. I think I, I can't quite understand why he doesn't do more. I thought he was great. So it was a class act. But all those people I kind of met there was when we started playing out with the Pistols, you know, prior to punk and stuff, and went to Liverpool for the first time. I encountered a lot of those people, and they had their own kind of. Ex Liverpool Art School scene going on. There's a guy yeah. called Clive Langer there who was in a band called Death School, but he went on to become a big record producer. Margie Clark, Betty Bright, Steve Allen, Ian Bro- Broody, um, Henry Priestman, who went on to become in the, the Yachts. So, and, and Holly was part of that scene. And the guy who did You Spin Me Right Round, Pete Byrne. You know, they, oh, yeah. they, they all a group of your people trying to get together and do stuff. And I like that. You know, I like. I think what I'm proud of from my punk days more than anything else, you know over and above the music is that there was a little coterie of people who sort of hung around us and kind of all all to a man and girl went on to do something. There's a guy called Al McDowell who booked the first pistol show at Central School of Art, although we did one at St Martin's. it just happened to work out the way but he's a big art designer you now he' he was the art director of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And he, he was just prior to lockdown, he was over and he called me up. He saw he said I'm in, in town. I said, where are you doing? He said, I'm at Pinewood. I said, Oh, what are you doing there? He said, Star Wars nine. You know, and it was the bloke he the first sex pistol show. And the people who hung around with us, Billy Brawl, became Billy Idol, Susie from the Banshees, you know, and, you know, there was maybe 20 people Fashion designers, photographers, graphic artists, and stuff all come out of that little pool. And that was the same thing with the people from Liverpool. But I'm sure, you know, of Glasgow, uh, uh, there were people, oh, sure. who did yeah, some, some
1: things, you
0: of know.
1: The art school, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, really big, like indie pop scene here as well, which is a bit more twee than punk, but um, but yeah, it's definitely got its place. But I uh, you know, the whole.
0: I'm an ex-art school boy, I think much to my chagrin. I got into some art. I did a foundation at St. Martin's and then got accepted to do a degree in fine art painting, but I never went because I got involved with the Sex Pistols and the Summer ologies. I wish I'd done both, really, but I didn't. But, you know, what was good about art school back then, and I was the only one from art school. John wasn't, although he was quite a good artist. Stephen pulled my interest in that kind of thing at all back then. But it was loads of people who you know, were a little bit more... Harder thinking, maybe didn't really know what they wanted to do in their life. It gave them a bit of breathing space. They knew they had an aptitude for painting and photography a bit, but they all met up, you know, and it, you would swap ideas. And they were probably just half formulated, half bit wishy washy ideas at the time. But by meeting people who are trying to think things through a little bit, you kind of get somewhere step by step. That's what was good about it.
1: That's great, yeah. If you don't mind me asking as well, like, when Sid passed, like, what was that time like as well?
0: Well, to be honest, I knew Sid. I was quite friendly with each other, but I always thought he was a bit of a lack of an idiot and there was a slow train train coming, really, you know, so... Yeah. I mean, the only thing that's kind of tarnished my career a little bit is that it doesn't bother me what happened, that's what did, but people still kind of want to compare me and him. and
1: it's Oh, yeah.
0: It, it wears a bit thin after a while, you know.
1: Totally, yeah, yeah. I really wanted to ask you as well in terms of um, when, when you were no longer in the pistols, like what was that time like for you?
0: Well, it was busy. You know, as soon as I left the yeah. pistols, I was doing my band of riches, and you know, we were getting that together. We got me in the band, and was trying to do something slightly different. You know, we weren't an abject failure, but we weren't an overnight success either. And I think we were like a bridgehead to what came next. You know. We would play Birmingham Barbarellas and Duran Duran, the fledgling mm-hmm. Duran Duran were in the, the front row. Um, we play in London and my mates were Gary Kemp now. And he said, oh, yeah, we well, used to come check you out, you know, before they'd formed their band. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I think we had a thing. And then I went off playing with Becky Pop. It was nonstop for a long time.
1: Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you didn't really look back then? You just kind of got on? No, you know, and
0: then things quieted down a bit, and you like, mm, but had I made the best move? But I've done what I've done, and it's been up and down, but life is a roller coaster anyway. That's what yeah. like so, and it's true.
1: This week, we have the first new moon of 2022, and this is the time to set goals for the year ahead. The moon is in Pisces, which makes us dreamy, and this is okay. What is it that you really want to manifest this year and think big and start to make it happen? You're more powerful than you think. Hey, do you love the Songs or Spells podcast presented by me, Carolyn King? Hearing about how rock stars use magic in their lives? Do you want to level up your life using the easy spiritual tips discussed with our amazing guests like Aurora, Idols and OG Sex Pistol Glenn Matlock? Well, now is the time. I personally have manifested many things like relationships, tuition fees, and even specific podcast guests. And now, so can you. Think of me as a personal guide for your spiritual glow up. I'm here to explain powerful techniques such as the law of attraction, gratitude, manifesting and affirmations, coach you through each practical step, keep it entertaining and bring you into a fun community where you can expand your network and we all know it's who you know. So what are you waiting for? As Billie Eilish, Bruno Mars, Jay-Z and Ariana Grande know. Yep, they all practice this. A weekly bit of witchery does not take long. Imagine how much power you would have if you kept this up. So get ready to level up, I've got your back. Once you subscribe, you have full access to the entire back catalogue of exclusive weekly Patreon episodes and a weekly group connect call where we will share tips on how to apply this to our everyday lives. We officially launch on the 1st of February 2022, just in time for the new moon. So join me today on our Patreon community page. You can access it via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bio at the Songs Are Spelled podcast. I can't wait to meet you. Speaking to Glenn really confirmed how I feel about punk and how it empowered and continues to empower so many people. And Glenn really made me think about the importance of fun and letting off steam to raise your own vibe. In this way, songs really are spells for him in terms of questioning the unfairness of society and helping him use his creativity in a way that maybe other genres don't allow. His songs are more needed than ever, rejecting toxicity and being solely responsible for how you feel. Only you can do this, no one else. Next week, we're joined by Du Blonde, also known as Beth Jeans Hofton, a visual artist and musician who was voted number four in the BBC Six Music Top Albums of 2021. The Songs or Spells podcast has been co-produced and presented by me, Carolyn King. Co-produced and edited by Helena Refai with music by The Van Tees. (laughs)